Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 325. I hope you had an amazing Tuesday. I did, even more so. We have an amazing guest with us tonight, Jenny Beth Dills. Uh, hello, how are you doing tonight? You want to tell us how you're doing, and of course, where we can find you, please. Hey, you guys. Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I am grateful and blessed today um you can find me on instagram at jenny bwsp um you can find my company dr murphy's extracts um kind canna and uh her story the show on hayes radio network how you doing today and what do you got in what do you have in your pipe there i guess it should be my first question in my pipe i have let me see where's the jar oh the jar's not right here dang it oh yes it is um, so I actually have some Mac one and this is not usually a strain that I am particularly excited about. It's just not what, what gets me going, but my friend in the Bay tree crew did an amazing job with this. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it is that, uh, nice buttery turret profile. It's, uh, it's, it's, I'm enjoying it. I'm not mad at it at all. It's, nice. it's always good and small there. Always good camp. Yeah, so, uh, extracts, uh, how, how, how did you get into the extracts field? Or, yeah. So I got into the extracts field because honestly, I, um, I'm a medical patient as well. Um, and so I've always been a smoker. I started smoking obviously recreationally because I just really loved weed. Like we all did growing up, but then I realized, you know, even then it was kind of like a mental health escape for me, but, um, I was diagnosed with PTSD um, in like 2014 um, and I was introduced to probably dabbing heavily on a regular basis in about 2012, but I was still just a flower girl. Like, right. Like I love the flower. I love growing the flower. I love, you know, like they're my, they're my girls. Like that's my, my team. When I come home, I'm stoked to see them. Um, but it just wasn't giving me that quick, you know, that, that whatever my brain needed to turn off and be like, Hey, chill out that I needed now um, with that PTSD diagnosis. So getting into dabbling a lot more heavily, I was um, cultivating that time with my, my boyfriend then who was also Irish genetics and a lot of amazing cultivation for seed stock. So with that seed stock cultivation, there was a whole lot of trim and a lot of destroyed flower because it's just not so pretty after I dig through it and pull the seeds out you like to grow so much, right? So blasting that trim became kind of what we did. We had these just like slabs and slabs and slabs. And it was just, it was incredible. And I got really into, because I've always been medically inclined and solution inclined as a person. Right. And I got so fascinated with some of the cannabinoid research behind um, some of the hydrocarbon technology and the way that we can isolate things and reformulate and create a truly replicable nutraceutical based cannabis therapeutic product. Right. So, um, that's how I fell into hydrocarbon, got, you know, into doing collabs for some of the facilities I was running, doing some nice extractions, and then learned to wash, um, actually, in March of last year on a mountain in Mendo, and just fell in love with the process. I don't love the noise of the hydrocarbon, and washing is just so artistic. I just kind of, it's, 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 it's what makes me happy, and I enjoy it, and I appreciate flowers so much, but I also, like, if I had to you know, marry or kill one or the other. There's not an option between the two. I need both of them. 
I got a, way ahead of myself on that question, but I couldn't help but ask. Uh, you know, one thing that I have to ask you before I go, before I go back is, you know, I heard you mention, you know, running uh, seat trip, basically. Uh, do you, you know, I've talked to a lot of breeders, a lot of uh, people about um, uh, running seed stock or, you know, uh, seeded bud, seeded trim. Uh, we actually uh, think it's a little, it has a different hygiene that the plant yeah. goes through a different chemical change. And it seems to be uh, a bull, more full body, heavier punch than yeah. the same strain that you would run and process side by side. So basically, you know, one that's seeded and one's not seeded. The one that's seeded, that material seems to be uh, way stronger, a whole different hash yeah. than the ones that are Nazi. Is that something you found in your experience as well? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, just in the same way that like an indoor cultivated product is not even, it's comparing apples to oranges when you're talking about a full sun product that's grown up on the hill, right? It's such a different product when you let the plant do what it's intrinsically, you know, trying to do and you let it finish and you let it go through all those genetic expressions that take place when you're producing a seed crop and when you're truly going through all the phases the plant is intending in its life cycle you get you just get a different product and I honestly love seeded wheat you know uh, I, I don't think it's that bad either I just actually it went through a whole plant that I actually had a light leak and kind of turned up but you know Smoking that cannabis wasn't bad. It wasn't bad at all. And uh, I don't mind it either, to be honest with you. I think it's a, it's a more full, full-bodied high, to be honest with you. I think we get involved too much sometimes, right? And sometimes you get the most natural expression of a plant when you let it go through its most natural phases. And part of that's its reproduction phase. So I think that it's, it's interesting and it's really cool. I'm glad that I got that experience because, you know, like we're like, ah, seeds and stems blah 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 blah. and for sure like if you went and spent 90 dollars on an eight the top shelf in a dispensary near you you know what i mean and you get in there and there are seeds and stems you're pissed right but if you're running for seed stock we're growing these beautiful buds we're growing these beautiful plants that are still you know capable of being our photo representation of what the genetics look like and things like that it just sucks to smell it to grow it to work with it and then to pull the seeds out and just throw it away it's such good smokable material still and being able to blast it um, and having good extractors who were just excited to run it because they wanted to try the new stuff as well. Um, that was something that I'm very fortunate to have been able to, to be a party to. You know, I've been on very much on the record of saying there as well is that, you know, we talk about, you know, the difference between the old smoke and, uh, you know, currently what we're smoking. Oh, there's there's something missing. There's something missing that you know from today to back then. That the high isn't even though it was a lower THC. You know, it still got us quite high. I think the difference is it was all fucking seeded weed back then. I think to be honest with you, I think that's the missing link. To be honest with you, uh, you know, now we're smoking pretty much Centennialia, and you know, I think that's the difference from now to back. 
No, you're totally right. And there's definitely probably something, there's probably a lot to that. Like in the same sense that we were talking about the other day, right? We were discussing what the true terpene profile of a plant is, right? Is it the terpene profile you get from that stem rub when it's glowing, when it's growing and when it's a live product? Or is it that terpene profile after the cure? And it's like both. It has to be both, right? A plant goes through so many stages in its life and depending on what we're looking for. And that's why it is so amazing, right? We know that the cannabinoid content changes. We know that even with degradation, the cannabinoid content changes and changes. Unlike most other plants, the degradation also creates a very, very therapeutic cannabinoid, which is a CBN. Um, so it's, it's really interesting and to see the plant and to optimize it through all stages of its life cycle and using all parts of the plant, the root, the juicing of the leaves, things like that. Like it's, it's really cool that cannabis is, is that way because not many things are. So with that being said, uh, you know, you, it sounds like a lot of material that you run or could run it has been seeded. So when somebody's bringing you material, do you like to see it earlier on? Or do you like to see it a little bit more in the amber stages? Do I what? Hold on, I'm sorry. I was reading the comments. I'm, I'm ADD child over here too. Y'all forgive me. Don't get mad at me, Eagle. I'm sorry. <laughs> no worries. I was saying that uh, if somebody were to bring you material, how would you like to see it? Do you like to see it more in a clear state? clear to cloudy or cloudy to amber for a peak flavor as far as somebody who's bringing me extracted material um yeah. i want to see something if, if i'm well it depends on what i'm looking for right if i'm doing a hydrocarbon extraction i'm doing something that i want to see a nice terpene profile on. i want to see a nice color that's going to show me that it's not been bleached out or remediated or run through salts and clays and things like that that I don't think that we should put good weed in ever I don't care what form it's in um I'm looking for I'm looking for something that's embodying at that point it's a fresh frozen product is what I'm expecting right so I'm looking for something that's going to embody that terpene profile more of a, of a growing or a live flower um there's some work that's being done to do a test now to see um on an analytical standpoint not an actual you know, quantifiable breakdown. If some of these people who are putting out a raw product, a, a fresh frozen live resin product are actually putting out a fresh frozen live resin product or just a really nice doctored up distillate or CRC or something like that, that's trim run. Um, and that's possible, right? Because of the changing terpenes and changing cannabinoid and how things age and degrade or whatever. Um, so if I'm looking for something, I'm looking for something that's giving me a nice full color. I'm looking for something that's giving me a nice full terpene profile. I want to be able to tell you what I'm smoking before I smoke it much in the same way that I would checking out a flower, because if we're concentrating it, we're concentrating those cannabinoids and those flavonoids and terpenes, you should be able to give me that. So I'm looking for something. I don't want something super cloudy. If I'm looking at shatter, which I hope I'm not anymore because it's 2021, but I'm looking for something that's going to be not super malleable, but it's also not going to snap and just drop and shatter into a million pieces. Because at that point, I know you've backed all the terpenes out of it. And I'm looking at something that's just not going to be a tasty product. Oh, so I guess let's revert back before we go too deep into extraction, I guess. Let's, let's get back to, let's get back to the beginning. Got to get back to the beginning. It always starts at the beginning. <laughs> so when exactly did Canvas come into your life? When was your first time that uh, that you 
you use the play? Um, way younger than I hope my son is when he tries it for the first time. But uh, <laughs> I was probably smoking every day by about the age of 12. I grew up in a really small town in South Georgia and y'all, there's not a lot to do there. <laughs> There's not, and I didn't have, I'm adopted and I love my, I was afforded some amazing opportunities, but it also as a, as a child growing up, especially biracial child in the South, being raised by a white middle-class family, upper middle-class family, there's these feelings and things like that. And like, that's what I meant when I said, I realized even at that age, looking back as a conscious adult, that I was using cannabis in a more therapeutic way than I even realized at the time. Like it truly was an escape from that reality and kind of a, a little neuroprotectant of sorts for my little emotional self but I was I was young when I started smoking um it was definitely something that was we would go to the bus stop and then we'd all dip off in the woods you know before the bus would get there and burn down real quick and jump back at the bus stop and have a great day and go do before youth group at church and there was always that occasional time where I would maybe smoke a little more than I should have and show up earlier and thought church was getting out and it was just getting ready to go and I gotta sit in the freaking front row blaze out of my mind so it's just something that's always been it's always been there god bless it right they tried <laughs> right do you remember uh what what was available for you at that time I mean we went to we went to the not great area of town. I went to a school called Glen Academy and it was surrounded by like government housing and stuff, right? So like we would bus all the kids into the island and from all the other neighborhoods, we'd have like the, the government housing folks there. So our football team was good, um, but it was really easy to uh, sneak out of school. And if you knew somebody and you were cool with them, like I'll talk to that fucking plant behind you gladly for hours on end. So like I just always been that person that's like, I'll meet you where you are. You want to talk about whatever, let's go. So I made friends with these guys and I was like, oh, I, plug. So I started plugging my friends. We started getting, you know, just whatever. Like, and we were ordering at that point, we we're like, let me get a dime bag. And it was like a dime bag of weed, right? Cause there were no options. The first thing I really, really, truly recall, I mean, I remember Florida Crippy, obviously that was, that was a, an experience, but that wasn't until I, I had advanced my, my friendships a little bit more, but um, something called um, Juicy Fruit. And we each got, we each got a dime bag of it. Um, we all rolled a solo blunt. We got my friend Sigourney, who's now passed away, rest um, in pieces, boyfriend at the time's work truck and rode around in the back and soloed our blunts. And I will never forget, like, I was so fucking sick. And to this day, like, I'm pretty sure it was the tobacco because we were smoking like peach optimos or whatever the fuck we could get at that point in time, right? And like, it's just gross. But I was so sick my boyfriend I'm like in his truck getting ready to go home and get dropped off I can't open the door I'm like you gotta open the door I'm like, you go everywhere you gotta open the door I'm like I was the sickest that I've ever been that's the only time I ever got sick off of weed that's the first time and that's the first time that like stuck in my head and I'm like that's what we got that was <laughs> that was the bag that was the one <laughs> yeah what did you start smoking what did you what's some of your first memorable Way too young, way too young. Um, I, I want to say this. I'm right around 10, right around 10, I want to say. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I had actually grew up around it. <clears throat> so it was, you know, 
in the home and around. So I actually kind of snagged some and kind of snuck outside and rolled whatever I could. I, to this day, I wouldn't say I rolled anything. I folded a paper around it and barely got it to smoke. <laughs> but you made it work, man. I made it work. I made it work. And definitely, definitely got high the first time. I wasn't one of those folks that said, no, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't for me. I definitely, definitely liked it. But that wasn't, I wasn't able to keep smoking at that point. You know, it was, I lived out in the country and he was pretty much my only access <laughs> at that point. So it was kind of tough to get. And when I could snag it, I most definitely did. So it kind of just picked up after that, you know. It was like two years when I'm 12, we kind of moved into like more of a city atmosphere to where I could, you know, hang out with other people and, you know, get it more freely, I would say. But definitely uh, early, very early. I'll never forget my first time. It was my friend Colette and her, uh, her now child's father or whatever. Um, and I was terrified. When my mom came back and picked me up in her minivan, I was like, shit, she's going to know. She's going to know. She's going to know. I get in the car. I'm sitting there, you know, quiet. I'm trying to act like she doesn't exist, like I don't exist. I'm like, back in my mom's minivan, headed home, high as shit. She goes, oh, my God, Jenny. And I'm like, what? She goes, you've been smoking cigarettes. And I was like, yeah, shit. I'm so sorry. I, you're right. I should not have done that. I I was, let me tell you how, like, I should not have. I realized at that point how clueless she was. And it was so like, didn't make sense for so long the way I grew up to like, this is my life. And this is what I do. And I found out it's nature versus nurture. I'm sure of this. Um, I found out now that I have a great relationship with my biological family. My papa was a GI. Um, and that's how he and my, my Nana met was through cannabis. But when my mom was seven and a half months pregnant with me, she was sitting on the couch. Um, the police kicked in the door for my papa's house. Um, my Nana being the rider that she was kicked the weight under the couch that my mom was sitting on, who at that point is 17 and a half years old, pregnant as hell with me about to give birth, freaking out, having a panic attack. So the police don't move her and look under the couch. So Papa got like simple possession, got out very quickly, was able to be there for my birth. But I was like, Oh, this is where it came from. I see you. This is that nature versus nurture argument. So it's like, I grew up, my, my parents that raised me were very religious and very prudish until my parents got divorced. I realized my dad definitely used to be a smoker. He said he had to quit. My mom would let him do it. But uh, by the time I was in high school, I was definitely rolling joints for him. And he was saying the weed's too strong. So <laughs> it was an interesting childhood. So, 12. So, when was it that, how long was it before it was pretty steady? I mean, I was smoking every day by 12. Like, I mean, I was just like, I was that kid. My friends have always been older. I was always just like, I'm, I'm, I'm ADD as hell, man. So, I'm in everything. Like, if I can get into it, I'm going into it. Like, let's go. 
And I just really, really, really enjoyed the feeling that I got from cannabis. Like it was just like, I didn't know why. I was just like, whatever. The first time it was immediate. And I was like, I'm on it. This is me. I feel it. Um, thank God my mom also thinks it's cigarettes because she's dumb. Like, but it was, I think it was very quick that I decided that I wanted to smoke every day, especially when I realized I could get away from it, you know. It was about that, that, that time it was about whether you could find it every day. Like, as much as I'm finding it, I'm smoking it. True that, true that. Very true. Don't you give me scissors to cut it up so I can fluff this up enough to roll it up and smoke it. <laughs> devein, I'm deveining backwards now. I used to have to devein the weed. <laughs> you smoke hash at all? How do you feel about traditional hash? I love hash. I love hash, and yes, traditional hash. I'm crazy about. Um, I I actually, uh, it's almost time. It's almost time. I've done a few episodes of where I've made hash. It was like September. I did a 13 hour special where me, Boom Farms, D420K, and Smokey the Bear 2.0 made hash for 13 hours on the air well they hung out for about eight and i want to thank you the full distance but I, I i it's past time once i make it it's like hash on everything even if it's like good weed or whatever it's still it's i'm putting some in my joints and, but yes i absolutely love 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 some hash uh Yes. Yeah, I got I got way more into the traditional side of hash when I went to Barcelona and you know, just being in Europe, obviously the flower sucks, unless it's cauliflower. Um, but allegedly, right? Um, but the hash, the hash culture is amazing. And I actually got to had it had Mila on the show on Valentine's Day, and so I smoked some some true spliffs and I'm a big fan of chilling, but I felt like having a conversation with Mila, I have to smoke spliff, gotta smoke what she's smoking, so it's a, it's a different high. It's more like, it's almost, it's that meditative, like it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful high. And I know that sounds cheesy and I'm a girl and I was like, oh, she's, but it really is. If you haven't smoked like Chillum and smoked it in a way that is, is truly, you know, celebrating the plant, it's, it really is true. It's, it's amazing. It's a different high. Oh, it is. <laughs> you know, I always call it the hash coma. I'm always in kind of a hash coma after I've made a batch there for a month or so, <laughs> just because it's always in everything. And uh, I love Mila. She's I've been on the show a couple of times and by far some of my favorite episodes and sound bites. She's got my favorite sound bite. <laughs> but uh, what a sweet lady. Well, she's my favorite memory and like literally my whole, when I won, when we as a team, Next Level won, Dabadoo in 2019 and I went up to, to get the award. Um, she leaned over, she handed me the award, she gave me a big hug and like kind of a kiss on the cheek and was just like, it's really nice to give it to a girl this time. And I swear to God, I still get chills thinking about that. That is like, that is the moment. That was like one of the most amazing moments. I'm so humble and all I could just say, I just looked over at the whole crowd and I was very sheepish, just like, thank you. <laughs> I took off and went to go cry in the corner and call my partner. I'm like, we it was, but she is just, 
she's one of the most gracious women and I appreciate her so much. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really cool women who are doing stuff in the space and have been busting their asses. Miss Jill, Neela. And, you know, that's kind of why I started the show was to, to tell more of those stories because when I got here 10 years ago, it's from a legal side, right? Even prior to that, obviously prior to that, I wasn't even brave enough to be like, who's out here. I saw who I saw and it was Jill and it was Mila, but like, we need to set those strong female examples because there are a lot of women that are doing a lot of work and it's not just saleswomen. It's not just product demo girls. There's cultivators, there's extractors, there's women running operations, there's women CEOs, like, you know, and so it's, it's important to tell those stories and she's one of my favorite stories to tell. It's a great story too. She's got an amazing story. Story of hiking through the hills, her and her daughter, just uh, great history through Germany growing. And oh man, she she does have an amazing story. Oh, that was the cool part of the episode. It was like, I love Milos, her daughter as well, who's now doing like a lot of her booking, a lot of her scheduling, the production stuff. I call her her. I gave her all kinds of titles the other day, but it was nice to have Milos and Mila on there because they're just, they really are just such great women. And like, I don't know if you could imagine living in, in India and living where she lived and as a child and just getting to go on these like treks for three months through the hills to see all this, like, if that's just, I couldn't imagine that's so cool. I'm like, I would, can we revert time and adopt me real quick? I'm, I'm coming, hi. <laughs> what do you got running back there uh this girl behind me is a barbecue gorilla uh version two and then uh back in the tent we have some orange boss back there over my shoulder back here we have a mess of things uh there's the fort jefferson some tiger king um, Tiger King. The Tiger King. The Tiger King. Bring my friend Joe. Uh, it actually came from his hometown. Uh, 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 White Feather Grove sent me them seeds. And it is, it's already four, four out of five females on this one. And yeah, she's strong. She's strong. She's really kind of tiny already and uh i'm looking forward to the tiger cake to be honest with you i'm, I'm pretty excited on what i've got there that's awesome yeah. there's a uh just a ton of stuff back there i don't have the list in front of me but i've got about 16 17 strains flipping around right now and that's kind of on the downside i've usually been known to run keep closer to 25 is what it is. I get the impression uh, you might be a genetic order. There might be a, a cabinet full of beans sitting back there somewhere that are just like cataloged and not going anywhere ever, huh? Oh uh, man, you gotta gotta have tons of seeds. You know, I've I've ran quite a few and I've never found that one and I'm you know, this month alone I've popped uh, probably twelve twelve new strains that are up and coming. So, what are some of the, what are I, the old go-tos that you love forever? What's that? What are some of your go-tos that like you're gonna love forever? Like your favorite stuff to work with of all time? 
That's not a fair question, huh? Not really. Not really. Because, you know, I've, where I kind of fall in here is I've, ran, I've been a, a tester for a long time. So nothing here is ever really permanent. I've had nine pound hammer, stayed around for a while as, as a special strain there. But that one was heavy That's indica. Pardon me? Nine pound hammer, Jinx definitely did a great job on that one. I don't blame you for keeping it around for a bit. No, and I had the uh, the original. I, when I got them, they were still testers. So the one I got was the Afgu times uh, the Hell's OG, and it was it was strong. It was really strong, heavy indica. It kind of smelled like a, a melon, kind of like a musk melon. And had the taste of uh, like a baby aspirin. You know what I'm talking about when I say a baby aspirin. It's like an orangey kind of almost. Must. It's got a weird taste to it. That's kind of the flavor I got from it. And I kept that one for, yeah, yeah, slight orange there. I kept that one for some time. Uh, I preferred like the gassier side of things. I'm kind of on the hunt right now for some pine. That's what I want to, that's what I'm really wanting. It's some, a nice library of some pine. So, what about yourself? What are my favorite things to work with or my favorite things to smoke? I mean, I'm, I'm an OG girl. I'm, I'm definitely a little high strung. So I need to, to be calmed the hell down a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, some of my favorite things like Jeff did a lot of really cool work with Gorilla Glue. So getting to work with that and cross it to, you know, Arise has got a lot of those characteristics and that kind of playing in that sativa because it's not something that I gravitate towards as a consumer, but getting to kind of experience a different plant expression. So that was really dope to work with. So uh, I guess, when did, have, when did you start growing? When, when did you start... Uh, growing yourself do you grow or are you just an extract i guess um so i am at this point i'm a home grower um so i've got a few things running right now i crossed uh connected cut a biscotti to the g6 and the skittles um and a couple other the hype strains that i was able to it's just some shit i'm playing with because i have no room and it's i realized that mental health wise it's good for me to come home like something that I need to do, even if there are six of them. And also I can't tell other people to grow their six if I'm not growing mine. Um, I haven't been running commercial cultivation since Colorado. Um, so basically what I do in a commercial cultivation sense is I come in and I do process optimization. I do pesticide training application, worker protection safety standard application and do overhauls of procedures. So like um, changing your drying cure process, um, helping you rebuild and revamp. Like Levity was one of the facilities that I worked with in Colorado after their second seizure for Eagle 20. They were really um, unfairly affected because they were, Mickey dog, do not cry. My dog's over here being a diva, sorry. I don't know there's going to be an earthquake or something. He's warning me, whatever happened. Um, but yeah, so they were the only ones who were publicized, which is really shitty because after they were put in the news the first time, 
they were like, this is fucked up. Why are you doing this? This is not, hold on. This is not okay. We weren't told this wasn't okay to use. And we know now that Eagle's not cool to use. And we know all the reasons why it's not cool to use, but we didn't know until we knew, right? So because they were the only one publicized and they were publicized twice, after the second time, the, the news came back and they were like, you know, what? you're right. That's really shitty. We're not going to do that anymore. And they were like, wait, <laughs> now we're the only one publicized. So going in and overhauling them immediately was really important because they were, that was, their ass was on the line. Um, and that facility is still in operation today. And I'm really stoked to say that, but it was a literal change in everything they'd done, all the, um, all the IPM and things like that. And um, so I am a process girl. I'm trying to optimize. I'm trying to make you sustain. Um, but I've also been very fortunate to be um, taught by some of the best in the industry. Um, but I'm also nice enough to say when I don't know and I'm not the best person and I can go find somebody and get you the information that we need. So it's, it's really, I'm a process girl. I don't want to say that I'm a master grower because I feel like that's also a masturbator and neither of those things are fair. So, um, you know, I love what I do. I'm grateful to be here, but I'm not like I told you, I was like, you're not going to get any grow guru knowledge here. I can tell you how to get your process optimized. I can tell you how to, to build and create a, you know, I do a lot of building facilities. I'm doing a cultivation build out for the Cali Connection right now in California on the regulated side for nurturing and cultivation. Um, but that's my thing. You know, that's more of my, my avenue now. That's quite an avenue, quite an avenue right there for sure. Uh, sounds like, I bet you keeping you very busy. Yeah. I mean, originally I was a 19, 22 year old, 30, 20, not, I'm not 32, um, 22 year old at the time growing in Georgia black market. And thank God for, uh, for things like green crack and thank God for the yields of blue dreams. And those, those two really, truly, cause that's what finance our move. You know, we sold the last crop there and moved out to Colorado, paid three months bills. And it was, I miss it. That's awesome. It was a lot more fun. We made a lot, but I'm an adult. I'm trying to run and build something that's a little bigger than me in my pocketbook today. So, how was uh, living in Colorado on what I'm sure was, you know, the cowboy phase? When the West was wild, it was dope. I bought my first uh, my first bag in Colorado when I like the day I moved there, and I was not just obviously not supposed to be able to do it. And I was just like, hey, can I just like see your store? Like I moved here today. Like here's why I moved here. You know, like this is whatever. And like, I'm just this little girl from Georgia. Like, do I like, yeah, I've never been to Colorado. It snowed on the way in here. I've never seen fucking snow. Like I'm just, I'm on one. And as I'm rolling into the store, um, they're like, you know, come on in, come on in, come on. They sold me like, I mean, whether it sold me, I mean like 20 bucks, they pretty much gifted me like an ounce. They're like, oh, here, you need something smoking it. Like it was just, it was so fucking cool and I was so fucking stoked and it was just, you know, there were a lot of gray areas. Colorado has always and does still have an amazing medical program. Um, Colorado is one of the few states you can actually go purchase fresh frozen from a dispensary in some places and process yourself at home if you are a medical patient with that amount of plant allowance. So they do foster kind of what you need to do. And I was a caregiver there from 2012 until I left in 2019. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's just, it was an amazing place to be. I became a mother there. My life changed there. I just realized after I moved to California just a little over, almost two years ago, actually, um, 
how much of a life I built and how grateful I am for the time I spent in Colorado and these connections I made and the lessons that I learned, both good and bad. You know, I had to learn, I, I being doe-eyed and wanting to help, sometimes you have to dial that back and you have to be like, not everybody's your best fucking friend. Not everybody wants you to win. Um, and so it was about finding a balance in, in my own personal career and learning my own boundaries. And I'm, I'm grateful for all those lessons that I had there. And it's a, it's a great place. And I get so fucking mad when people are like, oh, dry Colorado weed or Colorado weed sucks. You can kiss my ass. There are amazing cultivators, amazing breeders, amazing work coming out of Colorado. And I don't think y'all understand how much of the things that you enjoy started in fucking Colorado, but you should Google it because Google knows. I don't want to, I'm not going to drop anybody's names because I don't want to fight other people's battles. And I want to, kind of bring the genetics community together. And I, that's kind of why I've always been in that side because I can get along with all of them and they can't get along with any damn body. So that's always kind of been my, like, I'm like, let's play powwow. But I now know when the hell to step back. I don't speak other people's, other people's business like that. But there's some amazing cultivators. Dank by Pank is one if you're looking for a regulated one. They were one of the first cultivations that I actually certified for their work protection pesticide stuff. So they're amazing. The Shula OG, Shula Shula GMO is some of the live resin I'm smoking on now, and it's amazing. So, uh, how do you feel about rosin? Is that something that uh, you bringing into your fold? Well, I was looking for the rosin tray. Okay, um, so Groovy Gravy, Colorado. Yes, look at tea essential extracts. I love rosin. I love washing hash. So personally, now I wash hash because I was fortunate enough to have some of the greatest teach me and that was I got to learn on a mountain in Mendocino which was just an experience but just the when you wash and press right like there's it's more of an artistic thing it's more of a you get the trichome structure that you're getting from the plant so it's when you're breeding for hash or when you're looking for trichome formation and a terpene um, profile it's actually going to come across in the oils that are attached to the trichomes that are because water we call it solventless but it's a polar solvent right but there's just such a nice instant reward it's that of whole, pulling the bag up and you see all these heads and you know like just the whole process is incredible and just watching it just melt down and it's it's just yeah I fucking love rosin <laughs> can I cuss on the can I cuss on the fucking talking shit with Eagle Show it's in the title. Please do. It's in the title. Absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah, I, I absolutely do. You, uh, are you using a machine or are you using, you know, a big cane and a paddle? I mean, what's your method like when you wash it? All right, some level. Um, and I also do commercial production. So what I was taught, um, I, I love all the guys who get in there and agree with the paddle. I feel that, but I feel like for commercial commercial production, you really truly do need to do larger scale batches. Um, and I learned on the bubble magic. Yeah, I have actually used bubble magic myself. And that's the one that I made used uh, in September. I usually use the eight gallon, but I've recently stepped up to the 20 nice. and uh, modified it. I always make the modifieds. And it's funny. I actually modified the machine on air like two nights before I did the episode. 
So I tore it down. I actually, you know, pulled it apart, drilled holes in the machine, cut it, piped it, hard piped it. That's a, something that I do that's a little different than everybody else. Everybody else puts the hose on there. And I actually just got rid of the hose, hard piped it from the bottom and uh, put a, a shut off on there. And then uh, actually kind of a T where it goes up and down because there's, I don't use the bags either. I, I don't care for the bag. I kind of more Frenchy method, let it float around in there. I don't mind the extra cleanup of the machine. I think that bag's just hindering my wash. So of course I, I actually tore it out of the machine, the inside of it. It's terrible when you buy a bubble magic machine and you have to alter it like right out of the box. You, you know what I mean? You're, <laughs> you're pulling it and tearing it down right off the get. I am so, going to you know, smoking now that you say that. Hang on, give me two seconds, it's right here. Okay. I wouldn't have done it unless you dropped it and I wouldn't have bought it unless it was the family, but. I've got the, I'm currently on the Frenchie. Uh, so Frenchie did a purple punch and I rolled it up and I was not upset about it. So I said, you're more on the Frenchie. So you should appreciate this. Hopefully you like it. So let's see if I can get, oh no, hold on. We're gonna adjust all my lights, all my everything. I'm not a production girl, y'all. Oh, shit, I'm definitely Oh, you're spilling it. Don't spill it. I'm going to pick it up with my finger and roll it right now. But it's really nice. Spill it. Don't spill it. Don't it looks it. very good. Half down. Y'all are going to look all this hate now, I bet. I'm going to get mm -hmm. angry messages now. You, you dumped the hash. I'm going to roll it right now, you guys. Don't worry. So what is your, that is bubble your favorite style of hash? Or what's your favorite style of concentrate? Oh, well, I enjoy the rosin and the flavor of the rosin, but I prefer, I, I, I guess I prefer because that's what's available to me, I guess. But I enjoy, I really enjoy some, some bubble hash. I don't mind dry sift. It's very flavorful, but I don't find that's as good of a buzz as water hash. I think water hash has a, a longer buzz to it, a more full body might be a little bit less terpier than a dry sift, but uh, that's what I prefer. And but as far as that goes, you know, I do, I do enjoy the rosin. I don't have a press, <laughs> so I, when I'm buying it, it's it's buying it. So uh, it's painful. It's painful to go buy rosin. So I'm still at my hash phase. And that's another thing too is you know I. I guess this is hard to talk to uh, with the hash artist, but it breaks my heart to go through that phase of washing. And, you know, I've reduced it to something I've already loved, but then to see it go into the rosin machine and press one more time, it's like, really? Really? It's It was good before, but I mean, we've got a, one more time? Well, and so then that's an opinion, all right. Here's the part where not everyone loves me, not everyone always agrees with me, okay? But rosin, you notice it's picked up definitely a lot in popularity over the last, you know, latter years of solventless technology becoming a more commercially sought after thing. But do we not remember when when people started pressing things that 
didn't melt. So full melt and something will actually melt properly in that, that situation, right? Like in a sift situation um, without, without the press. Um, is a different kind of caliber of hash. Rosin is incredible. People who make rosin are not all doing it because their shit doesn't melt. But some of them are. It's just a different, it's a different, but that's not either a testament to, you know, even a testament to the extractor, right? Different caliber of product and not quality caliber, different trichome structures, different heads, different cultivars are, are you know, just the best for certain types of extraction and not everything can be extracted the same way all the time, period. You know, and it's just, that's, that's the nature of the plant. It's a plant and there's still always a natural aspect of something that's not ever gonna be 100% homogenous. And we, if it was, we wouldn't like it. We'd all be smoking the same thing and it's coming in a black bag and it wouldn't matter. We'd just buy however much we wanted because it's all the same. Well, I definitely agree with you. And there's definite levels to attack on different strains. That's for sure. Even at a hydrocarbon level, there's different ways to go about, you know, getting exactly what you need out of it. For me, if it's a new, new strain, new cultivar for me, I actually do a test run in a small batch. I've got some one gallon bags and if it don't, if it don't pull well, then I don't waste my time. I'll take that over and I'll dry sift it and try to catch as much as I can out of it like that. Or I'll send it to a hydrocarbon uh, extract artist that I'm friends with and trust. Keyword being trust. <laughs> uh, no, man, it that, didn't feel that great. The trust is important, huh? It is, it is, uh, at least for me. I've had some not so great experience with some of the, some of them. I've had some pleasant experience with some, so. Um, so yeah, even with the hash, uh, putting it in the bubble, there's different ways to attack as well. But I, I just, as far as like extracting it further, you know, I, I would rather keep my hash hash. To be honest with you, I'd rather, turn it into a temple ball or just, you know, work it in another way, but to keep it in its, you know, bubble form because I'm happy with it like that. You know what I mean? If I want rosin, I would think I'm just, I would prefer a flower rosin. You know, that's, I would want, yeah, to be honest with you. More terpier, more uh, more of the oils, more everything in it. More, I think it would be. Flower rosin tastes like popcorn or popcorn smell. Am yeah. I just, are you mad at me now? Don't get mad at me. We were, we were doing so well. I was about to put my temple ball. No. Show you. You were getting so close. Don't get mad at me. But yes, I've always felt like flower rosin smells like popcorn smells. Smells like old shitty hash rosin used to smell like what what you know. Popcorn smells like when it burns, when it tastes, I don't know. Don't get mad at me. What's up, Randy? No, no, it's a eat cereal. 
I mean, but that's amazing. You make a lot of flower rosin. I mean, also it's fire in, fire out. So I'm sure your stuff that you're growing presses out beautifully. I've also probably not tried the best flower rosin. So we'll give that to it too. You know, I don't press anything here yet. You know, I'm actually still, still, I would, up until as of late, I've been on the, I haven't even been dabbing that much up until I started doing this. And then it became a little bit more frequent because I was doing this. Everybody was kind of dabbing. So I started dabbing once in a while, you know, uh, then it became more and more frequent. Somebody sent me a rig and then it was like on after that. I was like, oh no, here we go. So I've been dabbing quite a bit lately. But up until then, it was, like I said, I'd prefer a nice worm, a nice full melt worm in the middle of my joint. You know, that's just the way I, I like it. You know, even maybe a small bowl, a little bit on top of a bowl, but moreover, a nice worm in the middle of the, in the middle of my joint. Even in a roller, I put a little bit in there. I drop that worm right in the center, put a little bit more in there, and it's just right down you know it even burn all the way through you have no clue how excited i am that you just said that so like you know i know everybody's on like this donut tech and blah blah blah, blah. And i'm like but this has been going on and it was called a worm and everybody's like a worm so for you to say <laughs> that makes me so happy that's exactly what it is and that's you know if you know you know what is this what's the sacred geo here i love it what's the what's the tattoo that's dope Oh, that's a flower of life there. And I have uh, Metatron's cubes over here. But it's my favorite. Well, on my arms, I think my Hamza is one of my favorites here. But I'm actually covered. (laughs) Covered. Yeah, I guess if we're doing arms, my favorite on my arm would have to be. And it's supposed to look, you know, kind of hand done because it is. Um, but it's A. Parker D. So Augustus Parker is my grandfather. Parker Dennis is my son. So that's like important. But I've got like my moon phases and try to, I guess Callie's going to my wrist next. So I've got a, I hit everything because I grew up, you know, like in the South and it was all like I, I was taught that like, I could have my tattoos in places so they could be hidden so nobody knows that I have tattoos. So I've got like my ribs and then, and, and, you know, response to that, I now have a bunch of painful fucking tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> that are well hidden. <laughs> it's funny. You know, I went with that same thing too. The first ones were all, you know, under the sleeve, you know, barely poking out. And then once I broke that barrier, once I got this one here, it was all on after that. You know what I mean? It was just, I don't know what actually triggered, but I'm covered now. I'm not covered, covered, but I'm pretty covered uh, from like to my toes, to my hips. <laughs> Both what was legs the are. Painful spot for you, like honestly, what was, what was, which one got you? <clears throat> uh, there's uh, probably one spot on the inner thigh. I mean, like right up in the thigh there that was like. That was was bad, and then uh, the ribs the second time. 
because he had to go back over it. I'm, and it's it's for like from my arm under my armpit almost down to my hip. And I had it done it all in one sitting. It was like almost 10 hours. And it was like being dragged down the road, a gravel road. <laughs> no, I just hours on my ribs like right before I jumped on a plane back from Hawaii from the Hawaiian cannabis expo a few weeks ago and I couldn't do 10 hours on my ribs. I would I think I'd pass out that. I was like maybe or maybe not my tie drunk because it was Hawaii. I was there and I got to do the Hawaii thing. So I jumped into the cliff into the ocean and went and got a tattoo but that hurt like a bitch. The white so white is spicy. I've realized that I don't care where it goes, white shading is spicy. I got it done on my sternum, though. That was not my favorite time. That really wasn't probably the favorite time. <laughs> it was a tender spot as well. And it's funny you bring up color type there. I, had a, I actually have an eagle that goes from shoulder to shoulder and then down past my sternum there. And... Uh, it was all done. It's full color, full color. I mean, full color. And it was all done in two weeks. I had the, like the outline done in one day. I went back in three days and had more color put in it. So basically the blacks and the grays was put in. And then I went in under, I think it was day 12 and had the rest of it put in. And it was still healing and it was just raw right there in the sternum area and he says well I think that's all I can I'm gonna do for today and I was like yeah thank you (laughs) thank you that was the first time I was like that close from tapping out I was so so close from tapping out that part where it goes numb and you're like I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing but thank fucking god I can't feel it right now <laughs> my foot was rough too. I did my foot in college. Um, and then I, my little red eye got gotten a fight right after that too. So there's also a nice cut right above it that I had to deal with. And it kind of bleached some of the color out. It sucked. But um, it's a dead bear, ironically. And um, I just was, yeah, I was not, not dramatic about it, but that shit hurt. Like those little bones were terrible. Like I feel like that's the worst for me. It's little bones. Oh, and right here, that spot right next to my armpit, that really soft, that one was not my favorite either. Yeah, I kind of forget about the armpit there. As far as, I mean, I've got the, the it barely goes right up in there and that little That's the only part that fucking sucks up there. <laughs> yeah. I would, who was it? Uh, Steve O's got an armpit tattoo and I I was like, uh-uh, there is no way I would go into the deep into the armpit like that. That is definitely from just that little bit of area right there. I, and it, coming up from here, I think it's about to here in the armpit. So I think it would, yeah, I wouldn't go into the armpit for, yeah, that no, would probably be the last spot. If I, it's I, mean, not I would fair. have to be, Ooh. No way. No. I actually got that early. That was like one of my first tattoos, and it's like a Sailor Jerry. I lost both my grandfathers um, a month apart my freshman year of college. So I got a tattoo that was symbolic for both of them. It was a rose and two swallows and like birds, whatever. Very symbolic, uh, very fucking painful, very um, ill thought out spot. So when they got here, it was just literally, uh, God, it just hurt. 
and she was so heavy handed and it hurt. So I got in a fight that night too. I, young me was, listen, this is, nobody said this industry was always cute and nice and congenial, whatever. Um, I've grown up and I'm a much nicer, kinder, gentler me now, but, um, so it's definitely like got scarred up, but it was the most tender spot. And because there was so much line work and then they had to shade right there along the line work, it was just, I, I won't touch that spot if I don't have to anytime soon at all. How high was the cliff jump? Um, it wasn't that high. It wasn't a huge one. It was the, it was like the mermaid whenever off of, uh, off of Waikiki. Um, so it was, it was dope. I did that and I got, it's a, like a, the Hawaiian flower, um, and then, uh, cannabis leaf and it says Iniola, which is like in search of your best life or your highest self or, so it's just kind of a, it was, it was a nice end to the trip. I spent the last day by myself, rented like a convertible Mustang and went to the North end of the Island and went snorkeling with like turtles and stuff and did like the, I did the Hawaii thing. It was cool. Cannabis has taken me a lot of really amazing places that I didn't think I would go. And I definitely didn't think like if you would have told me I was going to go here and I was going to go here for a week, like 15 years ago, I would have laughed in your face and probably like made fun of you in class. <laughs> so would you say you're a collector then? I mean, do you get one, uh, for like travel purposes to kind of like remember vacations and stuff, just a little, you know, travel tattoo. So I get tattoos for like meaningful things or times or lessons or like, you know, like evolutions of myself. So if I like go through like a time that's like a growth lesson, I'll probably get a tattoo if I, you know, like Hawaii happened to be something that was kind of a, a personal growth experience as well. So I felt like I wanted to kind of acknowledge that and get tattooed. It's also sometimes something like, I try not to act out as an adult. And so sometimes if I need to act out also, I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna get tattooed. It's always something that like, so I've got like a gang of things that are like kind of an arsenal of meaningful tattoos that I wanna get at some point. And I don't really schedule them out. And I don't really plan them out. And I'm just like, nope. It's time to go get a tattoo. Like, it's just like, it's, a, it's almost like an emotional release for me. It's like a, it's therapeutic sometimes. Is that weird? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. It's funny you say that to be really, really honest with you because, you know, <clears throat> I get asked about my tattoos a lot and I talk about them quite a bit. I actually had my uh, live stream where I had my feet done. I actually sat there and talked to people, but it is an outlet. I'm quite on the record of saying that, you know, I should be paying my tattoo guy almost double time because it is, you know, getting a tattoo and it's almost therapy as well. <laughs> so he should almost get paid double there for that. But yeah, it's very therapeutic. It's, it is a very much a release for me as well. Not weird at all. Yeah, it's chill. And I mean, it's definitely important. And I, everything that I've gotten, like, I don't have really much of anything. There were a couple of things that I got that I wasn't the proudest of. And one of them's been covered and some of them will be covered. But like, you know, at, at this point, like as an adult, not getting tattooed is like a rebellious teenager because I got my first tattoo when I was 16. And like, it was, it was just awful. Like the tattoo artist was 
pissed when he found out I was 16 because he also like I met him at the mall or something. He was cute or whatever. He got like my number. And I never we never discussed how old I was. And he was like, I do tattoos. I was like, don't let me tattoo. So then got tattoos. And after I got tattooed, he was like, How old are you? I was like, uh <laughs> he was not stoked. Not stoked at all. Um, but yeah, no, it was dope. Um it, but well, yeah. at this point most of them mean something and are of value to me and I don't know. What was the first one? I got a heart on my hip bone, like a little lower than my hip bone. Just a lame ass, terrible tattoo. Wasn't even a good tattoo. I mean, it was a good tattoo for what it was. It was just stupid. It was a waste of time. Mine's just, mine is just a silly. Even I, I told the story the other night. It's even worse when you figure the story and everything. But <laughs> it is the non-gangsterous tattoo you'll ever see. And it was supposed to be kind of like, kind of, uh, I can't even oh, get into the story. Oh, huh? Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> what is it? So, uh, right, right there. Is that Bugs Bunny? Buster. That's Buster. It's Buster. That's Buster Bunny with the Tommy gun right there. And I have so many wild I tattoos. Had one time that got a fucking. All right. So he was obviously. He had that's the one people like to call. That's the one that smart asses like to call out right there. Nice Buster. That's fucking. Because it's hilarious. And you know what's hilarious. And that's why you, you you called it out. No, this this cheese dick got. Um, he thought he was a really cool guy, and he was a cool. I obviously thought he was a cool guy at one point too. So I should probably not throw so much shade. But that was a very long time ago. But he has this tattoo because, um, like, he had this nickname Shady, which is not a great nickname to have. And you know, whatever, probably should his name is Sean, so it's Shady, whatever. It was the he was like that era. But he got this on his arm and it said Shady Mac and it had the pimp had like this little like dad gut because he was a dad at that point like had like the dad gut it was just like you put that on your entire motherfucking by like entire outer arm and you expect me to go in public with that shit and not defensively and rightfully talk shit about it like it was just hilarious and i know like bad tattoos happen sometimes they just do i have a peace sign somewhere on my body that looks nothing like a peace sign and that is the only other one that has to be covered up or removed or whatever the fuck god you know allows technology to do because i don't think they can remove them that well they still just scar up right it doesn't look like anything happened doesn't it just look kind of fucking like like you're just now it's like a race tattoo, basically, yeah. is what they would. Yeah, so a cover-up is still the best option, right? If, you, if you've made an, a tattoo, oops, which is what we'll call it, like, that's that's the way it works, right? Yep, Buster's going to be become Chiba be, here real quick. Are you sure you're not going to block Buster out? I mean, at this point... 
That's kind of like there should be some loyalty. He's been with you for quite a while, right? All, yeah, but he's so 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 like doesn't go with anything. Doesn't I, I mean it's so out of place. I had a tattoo. I had a I had a tattoo artist suggest moving it. I looked at her like what? Like it was like moving that's what I said. I'm like, you what? That one up and do you... it in some the fuck where else? Yeah, that's what they suggested. I'm like, that defeats that the purpose. Like... I might as well leave it. That sounds like an yeah. idea. Like, why don't you get two tattoos today? Is that a one, sir? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do like, you know, I knew it's sad is I've had it redone so many times, too. But, yeah. I think it's seen its day. I think it's seen its day. Who knows? Yeah. No. I mean, you know, some of I thought it was really cool to get, like, I drew this pirate that was, like, had a bone in its head. It was, like, it's bone crossbone. It had, like, long eyelashes and, like, smart ass look in its face. And, like, if I was a skull and crossbones, it looked like me in high school. Like, skull and crossbones, whatever. That was great. I had to put it on my shoulder because I was also, like, 17 years old, and that was what seemed like a great thing to do at the time and you guys the early 2000s was a weird time for everyone's life I think you know so whatever um <laughs> oops it's now covered with a much more appropriate like lotus flower steely um dad tattoo that's way more representative of me as a person and not just the goofy shit that I thought I was really smart ass I really truly did I thought I was smart ass with some of the tattoos I got and I was a smart ass and now I'm an adult not a smart ass I love my tattoos, so you know, like they, they do represent the journey of your life. You know, and at some point, you know, I think they do put off people, but at this point, I think they, they filter out some of the folks that I probably wouldn't associate with anyway. So, that's the older, way. Yeah, I think the older I get, the less I just genuinely give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, unless that opinion is presented to me on the memo section of a check. Um, it doesn't, it, it's, I, it holds a little less weight. It's one of the beauties of, you know, kind of being in the cannabis field as well as like, you know, I think they're allowed in the cannabis industry. I think of tattoos aren't uh, frowned on as a grower or in the industry as well. So, eh. No, but you gotta remember when I was blowing black market in Georgia, I was still working with the legal job. So like I was still, I had an on paper job. I was running medical practices at that point in time. So like I did have to hide. And so like, you know, I've been able to like express myself a little bit more, but I also now like, I'm also like not in my early twenties and like as expressive and free. And like, I have a, an eight year old son. And so like, I'm kind of in a different stage in my life at this point as well. So it's not as, as exciting. And I'm totally down to keep rocking with you. Let me refill my water, though, and I got to plug my MacBook in. So give me two seconds, if you don't mind. No worries, no worries. I'll just do some shout-outs in chat real quick. What's up, Mole Vision? 808 Rooting Prospects. Mr. Twisted Brutes, nice to see you. 
rescue roadie rescue roy one third time rescue ready roadside llc sorry about that man it's not usually i mess that one up barbara matthews how you guys doing nice to see everybody in chat holy cow 58 plugging along on the tuesday night it's pretty awesome notorious nugs ned denver johnny Kane is see you guys doing should have muted that sorry <laughs> no worries mr red pill very knowledgeable gentleman right there uh, last ppj 15 there's one i don't get to see that often this madam t Miranda family farms And a lot of people hanging out tonight. It's pretty awesome. Sir, how? Good to see you, Mr. Prometheus Soil. Cheers to you all. Austin ran his course. Yeah, he did. so funny. I've taken so much shit over Buster over the years. And, uh, yeah, oh, I guess you know, I'll tell you, you give opening up to me. Is, all right, so basically I'm 18 years old and I've kind of fell, I, I don't know if you can say fell into, I've met some people that uh, we've decided to take on some business adventure. I met a gentleman that came in from Chicago, and he had some friends that uh, could help us out. So we kind of started a, a bigger hustle. And to kind of seal the deal there, we all went in for those tats. And they all got cool tats. And I was still on that age where that was my first tat. And I wanted something kind of I could live with, something not, you know what I mean? I don't know, but I wanted it to have that gangster feel. That's why he's got the Tommy gun to make it even more laughable. And so, yeah, that was the first tattoo. It was like to seal like a, a partnership between us uh, guys there. And, and yeah. So, yeah, Buster was the one that. You're telling me on the Buster tattoo, though. You're doing your <laughs> service here, my friend. Because now, like, I don't know. Welcome to be my friend. I'm a persistent person. And I think that I really love the Buster tattoo now. And the more that you tell me about the Buster tattoo and the reasoning behind it, like, that's a part of your, that's an important part of your story. It was, it was definitely a good period in my life, though. God, that was. And when you said move were, I just pictured they were putting it, like, you know when they move historical buildings and they put it on the shit and it's rolling down the highway? I'm just picturing it rolling off of your arm and then like adjusting it like to your like back or somewhere where you're like more cut. Well, you know, you can't put it there. No, you can't move it. It's got to stay where it is, right? I couldn't even think at this point where in the hell I would put it. Right here. You know. Just right here. Right here. <laughs> Remind you where you came from. <laughs> just Ears just uh, going up the chin too. Uh, 
Let them know how you're coming right out the gate, okay? <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Too funny. I don't know. <laughs> Relocating a tattoo. That's the first time I've ever heard that. You know, what's funny is when they said it, I was like, hi, shit. And the first thing I thought was like, because they do weird, you know, body modification these days is something crazy. You know, I've seen, you know, the cuts, artistic stuff done with like cuts, you know, that type of body modification. And I've actually seen, I've had seen people that's actually taken off their nipples so they can have that tattoo cleanly through there. Yeah. So when initially, when they said move it, I actually envisioned like almost like a skin graft. Like, yeah. Is that what they meant? That's not what they meant, huh? They meant doing another tattoo. No. Yeah, they were trying to, yeah, just move it somewhere else. I was like, there's no way. It got very uncomfortable for me, and I hope all of you guys do. And thank you to your people. For uh, sharing my uh, sharing my Instagram, oh, nice. some good good quotes in this community here. That's for sure. I was gonna do it, but like my nails are long as fuck right now, and also it's hard to do it with like all this. I'm not the most technolog te- technologically advanced person, um, and I just would fat finger the shit out of it. Well, I got to tell you, you know, it's got to be hell. You know, it was funny. This, when he said extract artist, I looked at those nails and I thought, it's got to be hell. <laughs> Making bubble. Right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. The process for right now. I'm running facilities. I'm in a, I'm in a very cushy situation um, at this point and kind of running and building facilities. So this is a, this is a luxury. So my nails are usually my natural nails. And they are never the fuck this long. Like, so these are my Valentine's nails, and I don't. I know you guys did not come here to see fucking my nails tonight. Um, I'm talking shit with eagles, but here it is, and here we are. Um, and there's weed on them. But this is so I had to do a cut down on my natural nails so that they grew back out healthy again. So this is my second month, and this is the last time I'm gonna have like anything that's not my nail on them. So she's like, "You want to do them long?" I'm like, "Yeah," because they're just gonna be for Valentine's. So they're like way more and way extra than what I actually do. They're not my natural nail. My natural nail, I have to, like, I also do Muay Thai, so I need to be able to put my hand in a glove and into a fist and into a wrap. So I can't have, like, this shit is not me. And my friend's like, girl, what are you doing the most? I'm like, I am doing the most. So this is me doing the most. And if you don't like it, I guess. Get nice. <laughs> I would have never seen the Muay Thai coming. Yeah, I'm an aggro girl. I'm an aggro girl. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty yeah. fucking awesome. All right. So when did you uh actually, you know, kind of rewind in a little bit, but when did uh you go from kind of wanting to go towards extracts? When did you focus on extracts? I mean, honestly, from an extraction standpoint, I kind of got thrown into those operations. It was something where um, I ended up getting into operations oversight for a facility that had an optional MIPS. 
and they decided to build it out. And so instead of just join for that, I wanted to learn everything I could fucking learn about it before I advised them in it. Because even if I'm bringing outside people in, I need to be able to do that in a functional way. And so like kind of my standpoint behind whether I'm, you know, overseeing everything as a director or, you know, overseeing everything as a consultant or however I'm associated with the business, um, I need to be able to have a working knowledge and be able to understand the process enough to um, functionally guide the project, even if it's bringing in consultants, because we know there are people who come in and they're consultants every day and they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> you know, like they had a, somebody was running four lights in their mom's basement. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm going to come consult you on your facility. It's like, oh good. That sounds lovely. Um, so it, it was something that I kind of dove into. And so then that, that turned into teaching and helping teach um, interpreting classes and doing hash classes and tours in the Denver area. Um, and that also allowed allowed me to kind of immerse more into the part of the knowledge that I already had, which is the terpenes and things like that. Um, and how to meaningfully explain those to a consumer in, in some ways. Um, but also allowed me to kind of oversee some processes that I didn't normally see and learn from some other people. And I've just been really blessed with, with the folks who've been willing to teach me and willing to show me the things. And, um, it's been, it's been a great, a great evolution. It's been a trial by fire. I've kind of been thrown into some shit. It was like, oh, hold on. Cause we were growing and we didn't know how, and these people didn't know how to run businesses. So they were just like today, here's what we're going to do. And I'm like, okay. Um, hey, this is who I know that's really fucking good at this. Let me call them. Let me ask them if they're willing to let me pay them to, to teach us how to do this, to teach my staff, to, to kind of grow this. And I've kind of, it's, it's been a, a learning through doing for a long time. And now, you know, almost a decade, a little, well, fuck a decade into this. Um, it's, it's become a pretty meaningful career and it's become a pretty meaningful place. And I'm just, like I said, I'm happy to be here. We're standing on the shoulders of giants and there are a lot of people who's, whose knowledge and whose grace and whose willingness to teach Tony Missouri's of the industry and people like that learning under them and um, through his release of flan and through the R and D process of flan and getting to watch that and see it happen and throw in the release party for it. It's, I've been very, very, very fortunate to learn from some of the greats in the industry. And um, I, I feel like my duty now is to kind of help and, and teach the people who deserve to have that knowledge and deserve to do well in the industry and not that, I'm the, the kingmaker and I decide who deserves to do well, but the people who truly are willing to learn and want to succeed and do things the right way, I'll help you kind of guide your processes and, and do things in the right way for a regulatory standpoint. So doing that in a, a replicable process is, is something different than doing it on necessarily a small scale in home craft or hobby scale right but it isn't it doesn't mean that you can't get that quality there's a way to replicate that process and do it on a replicable small scale um and so that's kind of where where my niche has fallen into with with hash and with the industry so. uh-uh I can't hear you. Hang on. It's me. It's me. I mic'd up because I coughed. I was like, oh, I no, I was rambling. I'm sorry. I'm hot. I have some questions. 
So it sounds like you've had a pretty amazing uh, journey in cannabis. You know, hats off to you know you and putting in the work. Sounds like you put in a hell of a lot of work. But, you know, hats off to you. And I think that's the best thing I can encourage anyone to do when they come into the industry is like come in willing to work, right? Like I'm not. That's why I want to give, and I hate to like when I'm asked questions like that. I hate to defer and be like I've learned from you know some of the, but. I don't feel like I should take the credit from the knowledge that was freely given to me. And that knowledge is freely available to people who are willing to put the fucking work in. Like if you start working, if you start hustling, I came in and I was just willing to take whatever was available. You know what I mean? Like from coming in from other industries, a lot of people come in and they're like, well, I was a such and such in the, in the Apple industry. And I'm like, that's beautiful. If I was trying to sell a nice rosé, but I'm not. So you know, I was running very high level fucking surgical, like we were saving your fucking vision and doing surgery on your eyes. And I came in and was willing to take a fucking trim shift, like, because I really wanted to experience it. And so like, I worked my way up through the industry. And so it's a different knowledge set when you're coming from, uh, well, I've observed and I've seen and I've studied and I say, um, and uh, I've really worked my way through it. I've seen it from an operational standpoint, from each standing of the industry, and now hemp, and fucking internationally, and it's just been, I'm so, just, I'm really grateful to be here, I'm, it's not, you know, I'm not dope, I just was kind of willing to work, and I, that's really what it takes, is a passion, and being willing to work, and it, it takes a passion, because if you don't love it, like, there are a lot of days I cry, <laughs> you know, it's a tough industry, and it's a tough whatever, but like, if you don't love it, you will quit. But if you do love it and you're willing to work, you can really have a pretty fucking great life and a pretty meaningful one. So if you could uh, take the money out of it, money spoils a lot of things, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. Money's necessary. Money's all right. But, you know, unfortunately, it's a necessary evil, you know. So if you could take the money aspect out of it and just do it for the love of it, where would you put yourself at in the, the in the grand scheme of cannabis? Right now, let's just be very fucking clear. I'm pretty much doing it for the love of the sport. You know what I mean? I'm not by any means fucking rich. Yeah, I'm trying to build a brand with uh with kind. I'm trying to not a band, not a brand. I'm trying to build build up our, you know, my consulting company. And so that's right now using a lot of my salary employment to build my personal business as well, because that's what we do when we're we're also building things. So um, that's kind of where I am right now. I, I do miss being plant touching. I feel like I am much more hesitant than I would have been five years ago on jumping in headfirst into a more in-depth cultivation conversation just because I haven't been as hands-on in a meaningful way um, as I'd like to be. So if everything was, was left to, to whatever, I would be somewhere probably on a hill with a, a nice set of uh, indoor-outdoor setups and something, everybody'd leave me alone and some Australian shepherds and I'd be up there <laughs> just living my best life. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It sounds right about perfect to be honest with you. But, uh, um, 
So, yeah, I, uh, I have, I've said a lot of times that uh, things, you can be, you can have a love for cannabis, marijuana. That's one thing, but it all changes when you do cultivate that plant. It's a whole different realm there. You have, you, once you start growing the plant, you add a couple runs into it. You, you develop a whole new respect for the plant, honestly. And uh, I think that's, I think it, up until that point, it's recreational. Even though, like, say, like, I, that you say you have a medical license and you're using it uh, municipally, but in getting some value out of it, okay. But I don't think you really truly get the benefit out of it until you've, you know, grew out your own plants and cultivated. I think it's that can do that you're, you're creating your own medicine. It's there's something about just that time you're in with your, your plants. I think that's when it clicks, at least in my head and a lot of people that I've spoke to, that's when it clicks from being recreational to medicinal. That's where you really find that, you know, it is a medicine. And I don't know. It's. No, I mean, I think the only people's uh, flower, the only person's flower who have brushed to smoke is what's called Brady Mind Dressing. I'm ready. I'm not sick ready. I'm going to try to smoke. Not all period tolerance. So, like, there's something to be said for even when, like, I learned to love growing things because my granny cooked all these vegetables every Sunday that my grandfather grew when I was working in the garden and growing them with him. And it was so cool to be like, you know, shucking peas sucks. Shucking peas that you grew because your granny's about to cook them and everybody in the family is about to eat what you grew and be like, oh shit, these are delicious. You know, you know, Sunday dinner is so good. I'm from the South, y'all food is love. So that really instilled a love for cultivation in me. And that's why I kind of, yeah, it all went to another, right? But it's so empowering, you're right, to be able to sustain yourself and to say like, if, like, if they take everything, you can still step on a hill whatever you have you know how and you have the knowledge to grow your food make your own shelter to grow your own medicine this is your medicine to be able to do this is to be able to sustain your own life and that's very fucking powerful especially in these times you know like look at all the fucking food like last year sucks but last year this year's gonna be good just gonna get the fuck together hope so this year hopefully but you know like look what all the freedoms like we thought that we were going to be able to do all this we're allowed to if you're in california if you're in a state where you're allowed to cultivate and you're not growing your fucking legal limit and you're able to not like it's against your lease because it's against your lease don't do it if it's against your hoa and they can take your house because you're in a condo don't do it i understand but if you can grow your six grow your limit if they're bad, there's no such thing as bad. It's literally called weed. It grows that way on a fucking hill in Afghanistan with a goat pissing on it. It will grow. You can't fuck it up that bad. You might as well try. And what's the worst that happens? 
you do a good job, you fall in love with it, like just do it. Everyone grow your limit if you can, because it, there is, you're right, there's a different feeling when you're smoking medicine that you've cultivated for yourself. Like even when I like take a bath, like I do like infused baths with like the leaves, I juice the leaves for my cultivation. Like I try to use a lot of parts of the plant and I'm like, this is my goddess plant. I feel like a fucking, you know, floating little gaja goddess, whatever is going on right now. Like, and it's just such a nice, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling. Like it's, it's weird. And y'all can say I'm, I'm weird about that or whatever, but it's, it's different when you create it. And when you have that relationship with the plant and you walk in and you see your girl's arms are just like, the leaves are up like this. And you're like, Oh my God, they're happy. That's just the best feeling. You're like, look at this happy girl. So I think I encourage everyone to grow. If you're in a place where you can, please try. For sure. You know, and I, it, it is too. It's just so many levels of healing there. You know, it's, we, it's one of those things that, you know, it's actually known to clean, remediate soils, clean soils. And I think it does that out of us too. I think it pulls out that negative energy when you're in there with the girls and, uh, you know, kind of just pulls it out, recycles it, turns it into a good medicine that you consume, much like it does, you know, when it cleans up there, just kind of you know, pulls off the, the bad and produces something good. You know, it's just the best time of the day is right here. That's why I like to do this here <laughs> in the garden is, so, you know, I feed off the energy, I think. <laughs> I've been writing, like I said, applications for cultivation right now and doing blueprints and AutoCAD review and shit like that that I didn't necessarily think that I would be running a company that did or have professional engineers working under me that were doing the slime work and I'm reviewing. So there's an incredible amount of of uh, cannabis, but also, you know, I think that my, my welcome to my shit show sign. So we're sitting at my, at my home office right now where the, where the magic or the frustration or the, where the legal dreams start. So your office looks more fun right now. That's funny. You should have had that thing front and center. Welcome to the so, shit show. I should have Welcome to the shit show. <laughs> that is too funny. It really is. Like, this is where I spend a good portion of my life when I'm not doing it at my desk at my office at, a, at the at facility of commerce. So. I just think it's kind of appropriate you're on fucking talking shit with Eagle tonight and you have your Welcome to the shit show plaque. So, <laughs> that's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's in the front now. What are the odds? What are the odds? I have one on my desk at work that says, I'll be nicer if you'll be smarter. I should probably put that up just because, like, honestly, it's like doesn't set a great precedent, but it's also informative and helpful. And I think a, a nice nod into my life. 
amazing. No, I have a great team, and it's, I'm so stoked. Our license being finally signed off today in commerce. Like, it's one of the first, uh, if not the first, extraction facility to be signed off of um, in the city of commerce, and that's right outside downtown L.A. So that is quite the feat. We have jumped through, like, literal hoops, and the fact that we literally had to move a fucking toilet paper holder four inches lower during the inspection to get the sign off today is insane. But the fact that that was what we had to fix is so amazing and I'm so grateful and I'm so grateful for the municipality and everybody who has worked with us and it's been a tough process and it's been a really tough process through COVID. So it's just to be here and finally be at that point is just, I'm so excited. It's pretty awesome. Congratulations. I mean, a sincere congratulations. I say this a lot on the show. Is, uh, man, I, I absolutely love people that are chasing their dreams. I do. I, there's something out there. It's just contagious. You know, I just love the people that would see something and want to, you know, make it happen. There's something awesome. It's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, it's, I can't believe they were going to pull you back on four inches on the <laughs> toilet paper holder. I can believe it. It sounds like they were just. So I took a picture of myself. And okay, here's the thing. I'll pull it off and I'll show you guys because I'm just going to have to not see your comments on YouTube for a second, which is fine because I'm way too dating for this. So I was on Clubhouse and Clubhouse is. Um, I'm a, to the clubhouse and I love clubhouse a lot I've been hosting a lot of shows on there to kind of correlate with my show on Hayes but also a lot of church talks and like hash church and things like that are happening and it's it's really it's it's a nice it's a nice platform and I can keep getting sucked into it what is club uh, what is club clubhouse go ahead and plug the shit out of that because I don't you know, I've like heard the- you mention it couple of times now and i'm like oh okay i have hot yeah. now can you hear me stuttering over my hold on told you og og is a is just a thing um so clubhouse is like this uh it's almost like a like a live podcast kind of format so there's like a platform like you host a room and there's a speaker platform and there's people up speaking there's a moderator set um and then there's like an audience so there's a lot of really cool cannabis content on there and there's a lot of really cool um i got invited into that with the beta um the beta portion of the app before it was like readily available i don't know how i got invited into that but some they thought i was cooler than i am so they invited me um and it's just been, it's been a really great time. Like I've, I've enjoyed it. I've had some really nice, like weed and stuff. It's a great conversation with Brad and Guild and, um, and Chemo. And just, like, there's a lot of amazing people on there. Church Talks, Ash Church, um, Marcus, and other amazing. Um, but yeah, Clubhouse has just been funny, but it's, it's, I was on there when we were going through our inspection um, and they asked how it went. And so I told them, I was like, you know, we had to have this, this one alteration. And they're like, how are you going to celebrate? I'm like, I'm going to go sit on my toilet and I'm going to gently roll my now appropriately spaced toilet paper roll. So here's my picture because, and you can see same outfit today, as promised, I had to show them this on Clubhouse. 
That's how I celebrated. That is, and they were right. I mean, it was much more acceptable. <laughs> it's nice. It's it's a nice, convenient, you know, stretch away from the from the toilet there. So, um, I, it, <laughs> that is how I celebrated <laughs> today. It has been such a long, hard, crazy process, you guys. Getting licensed is insane. Getting licensed during a pandemic that no one has ever fucking dealt with before and we don't have a motherfucking like handbook for is insane. When the inspector works one day a week, that means you have to get your plan to them one week. You get your feedback the next week. Then you have to get your feedback in back to them before they come back in the next week somehow and hope they come check it before they come in, which is not gonna happen. So it's literally like we're sending up smoke signals as far as response time. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just we're in, living in times that nobody's ever had to deal with before. And this is insane. Okay. We're already we're licensing stuff that municipalities haven't dealt with before. And that's already crazy enough. And it's just oh, so grateful. That what I was just getting ready to ask is, you know, is has this mess you know i can imagine being almost turnkey ready up until like you know this happened and now did this add you know uh more you know restrictions did you have more codes that you have to put in because of this last month that you have to put in extra barriers and stupid stuff because of this mess just in the time, right? Like, it's hard to push through these agencies when they're closed. It's hard when something that normally takes a desk permit from a GC standpoint, um, that's a desk permit means if you go into the desk, they just sign your permit application and that issues it immediately there at the desk, right? You can't go in the fucking desk, you can't get a desk permit. So then that puts the desk permit into the review process. And those the permits they usually just issue on spot because they don't really need to review them. So it's bottlenecking all these processes. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's a difference between being gracious and pushing. And, you know, that we all have to be understanding because we're all living in unprecedented times. But at the same time, to do fucking business. Like, we can't go, it, it, it's a very, it was a very long, stressful process. And the team at Dr. Murphy's and the team at DRM, um, and it's a small team. There's, I think, five of us, like six of us at this point in time. It's a core team. Um, they have really just been incredibly, just, they, they're troopers. And I'm so grateful for all of them. And, that, you know, we can't do any of this by ourselves. Um, and so I think that's the most important thing is to have a good, strong team, have a cohesive team and have a team of people that you trust and that, you know, you love because it's like a family where it's very frustrating and it's hard when you're frustrated to not lash out at people, especially the people you're seeing every day, especially people who you're like, you know, at the same time or like when things are getting, you know, drawn out, sometimes you're just, you're just frustrated, right? So I'm grateful for these guys and I'm, I'm glad that we're here. And, and so let's do it. But it's been, it's, it's been a long process. It's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy year for everyone. You know, it's been a lot of, a lot of trial by fire stuff. I've been traveling the whole year doing sourcing. Like I was walking from dim sum on in Chinatown in San Francisco, the day they shut down, getting ready to fly to Washington 
to rip 10,000 hemp clones for a facility in Half Moon Bay because nobody could find anything that was a sustainable genetic. Um, and I finally got it and they're like, oh, well, you actually have to go home because everything's shutting down and you definitely can't fly into Washington. Because remember, Washington was the epicenter at the beginning of this, right? Like it was like, don't go there. So they were like, we have to send you home. So I was like, okay, cool. So my flight is, and they're like, tonight. I'm like, great. On the way to the hotel, back it up, going home. But I continued to travel because they, they declared us essential. I mean, it's for, for some people, they tell that they don't know if we're doing anything that's mis- medically necessary or actually helping anybody or, you know, not shouldn't be a federal crime. They called us essential really fucking quick, right? And told us to go our asses back to work because they threatened to shut us down and literal city blocks were shut down because there were lines and lines and lines around the corner and they were like no we can't do that actually oops we kidding just kidding go home go go home we're not going to close them don't freak out because it's it's counterintuitive at that point right we think this is a super spreader fucking virus we don't know how to deal with it people are like no i'm not about to be shut in my house with my annoying boyfriend cousin brother you know husband friend whatever i have like by myself alone with my anxiety my thoughts with no weed because of course we're not because it's an essential fucking item and they called that very quickly so it'll be interesting to, to see where we go forward now that we have that that in our tool belt too you know because i think we all have our little essential essential hats on and we're like mm-hmm, what now what'd you say that, that was a great feeling. That was a hugely great feeling uh, from like the where we come from, you know, where we're growing up. It, it's terrible. You're going to go to prison. You'll never amount to anything. Cannabis is terrible. Marijuana is terrible. To now, you know, now you're doing something right. I was like, yeah, no, fuck that. People, it's, it's hurtful. I've had people who I really looked up to reach out to me after I consider myself at that point a somewhat successful professional and said to me, am I going to get a real job and be a real mother? Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's hurtful. Are you serious? Like, you just said that to my face? Like, okay, cool. And it was somebody who I really... Um, at that point, not it had it was a different point in my life, but I looked up to them for for a very long like since kind of like my my teenage years, and so that was not that long ago, you know. And it's like, do I am I going to get a real fucking job? Okay, okay, <laughs> you know, like I just what do you say? And I just. I've found a lot of peace in the last year and a half or so. And my, my mom, my biological mom, who's amazing and is a very strong, incredible woman, like has my temper or I have her temper or whatever happens. Um, but she just is very strongly instilled in me in the last since, you know, year and a half, whatever, two years I've had her as an advisor. Um, that if I can't change it, I can't let it change me, right? So, like, I'm just trying to 
to deal with these things in a loving way and going from, you know, yeah, it's hurtful and it's fucking frustrating and it is what it is, but like if I lash out, it's not gonna change their opinion on my professionalism level, right? So it's counterintuitive for me. So I'm like trying to almost have to hold my tongue more, which is tough and it fucking sucks. But it's huh? like also what I have to do as a woman in cannabis, because if I get all frustrated and pissed off, or like, oh, she's just no period. You know what I mean? Like, and it, I, I say that jokingly, but it's not, I can't be emotional in a professional setting because I am a woman. If I was a man, in all rituality, I would be being assertive, taking fucking charge and a leader. But I'm a woman, so I'm emotional and I'm irrational and I'm being dramatic. So I have to hold myself to a higher standard and bite my tongue even more so. So it's an exercise in control and an exercise in accountability, an exercise in the understanding that perception's reality. And I have to do that sometimes because if I don't do that, then other women and other women of color and other women like me and not like me aren't necessarily gonna get these chances because they're gonna see me as an emotional girl. Now I wanna be seen as a leader. I don't wanna be seen as an amazing woman leader. I wanna be seen as an amazing leader. I wanna be hired because you know I'm gonna crush your fucking company. And I'm going to increase your sales. I'm going to make you profitable. I'm going to get you in your niche. I'm going to find that way for you to go to market in a successful manner. And I don't want you to see what color I am, what gender I am. I don't need your token or anything. I want to be a crusher. And so I think that's what, that's kind of what I'm trying to push for here. But it's, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird place to have to operate. And I have this thing in, inside of me from, my traditional background and also from just from just for me, you know what I mean? Like that says when somebody is disrespectful to me, I want to be like, oh God, clap back. And I can't do that. I have to hold it back. Um because otherwise, you know, we are perpetuating and it is it's just it's a it's a vicious cycle of misunderstandings at that point. So it's we have to at some point find constructive ways to disagree and respectful ways to disagree, but also um, realize that perception is reality. And when we're doing business and business at a high level, especially when we're representing an industry or, you know, whether we ask to do so or not, especially if we ask to do so, we have a responsibility to just, you know, represent it in the industry and not just your own personal emotion at the time. I don't know. I'm in a weird spot now. <laughs> I. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like you you're handling it appropriately. You know, you're going about it the right way. And you know, as far as that goes, I would expect a crusher to be feisty, male or female. I would expect that person to be, you know, just. You know, willing to do what that has to be done to make you know a business or a goal happen. So that's just a a trait I look for in a, a winner. So you know, I don't I don't think that's a bad trait by any means. Really you know, and I, I think that there's a difference between 
knowing how to handle yourself in a, a professional way and not being of the culture, not being from the culture, not understanding culture, not participating in the culture, right? Because then, then we're getting into a, a corporate more. Um, I'm saying Chad, Chad, bad, 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 that's money. I don't know, that kind of check, whatever happened, those kind of people, like, that's that kind of situation. And I try to not, you know, we all know, and we're all, it, it's a very powerful thing to say, no, I'm not going to get involved with some shit that I know is bullshit. It's a very more powerful thing to say, no, I'm not going to get involved in my business. And so, you know, I try to not shit on anyone. I try to kind of promote the things and the people that I know are doing good and just not involve and tie myself to people who I don't, I don't believe in or don't believe they're doing the right thing. So I never want to shit on anybody or come out from a negative point of view because I think infighting also makes us look shitty from the outside. At the end of the day, we're still fighting for this on the federal level. So we need to be cognizant of that and keep fighting and putting our best foot forward. But I think that there's a difference in handling yourself in a respectable way. And still, you know, I will, uh, anybody who's been in business with me, anybody who's been in a boardroom with me will, knows I will still uh, stay very true to my reputation and my, my ethics of letting you know right where you stand, how you stand and while we're standing here right now. So um, I am a very direct girl and I I don't hold that back. I could probably, you know, sometimes hold it back a little more, but it, it, that passion's important. And it's important because I come from a place that's not um, corporate cannabis focused. Um, I come from a place where I love this plant and I feel like even before I was involved in a legal standpoint, what I was doing was incredibly, you know, I was at a young age. I, what I was risking at that point was the next, you know, 10 to 20 years of my life, that would be at best 10 years from now. Well, no, that'd be best now. Uh, at worst, 10 years from now. You know what I mean? So like, it was something I felt like was worth doing. So I've kind of approached the industry and in wanting to help the legacy market, wanting to help the people who did this before it was safe, before it was legal and who like, you know, if the Girl Scouts knocked on the door to try to sell cookies and you weren't expecting your butt to puff because you're like, who the fuck? Today's the day, everything's over, this sucks. And it's, it's that fear, it's that you can't travel at that, you can't be gone for more than like, you know, 12 to 14 hours at a time. It's, it's a different lifestyle and it wasn't nice and it wasn't great and not everyone loves you and that's fucking okay. But I also was blessed to have a really great education. I was blessed to be able to um, have also an on paper income that gave me some corporate structure. So being able to offer that corporate structure and that understanding and that kind of culturally based understanding the process and being able to apply the corporate structure that's missing sometimes from the companies who are now switching over i'm trying to bridge the gap like i'm like i'm trying to get in where i fit in and not get in where i fit in but get in where i can be the most effective as far as helping because i've been doing the legal side of things for for, for a bit of time at this point um but i want to be able to help as much as i can
to bridge that gap for the legacy people, especially looking at the California market. That's why I moved here, right? Because 215 was great. And a lot of those amazing legacy operators, those brands, those people who created this movement are getting fucked right now. And so having that appreciation for the culture and that love for the culture and that understanding of why this was bigger than us and it was worth doing when it wasn't fucking cool because this wasn't fucking cool, y'all. Like, people are using it for attention now and this was not something. Like, we were hanging out in basements and shit. It wasn't cool. We weren't dope. Like, we were doing some dope shit, but we weren't dope at all. You know what I mean? So, like, this whole clout chase thing is just weird for me, but whatever. But, like, it's 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 about merging that knowledge with being able to explain business practices and QuickBooks and how do you structure your company. How do you make sure your people are paying on time? How do you make sure you're paying your taxes and you're filing this application right? You're writing this the right way and they're not fucking you. It's important to have those, those, those knowledges because that's what gets you through that change. But it's important to have somebody who understands and gives a fuck at why you care so much about this farm that you and your family have been growing on for years and years and years and decades and humble and things like that. And why this plant matters. Like, you know, it's, it's, different when you hear it from somebody who can break it down on your level and can say like i get it i understand why you want to do this and why this is the best way here's how you can do it and fit it into the legal structure um and do it the right way so that you can sustain so i mean that's kind of why why i moved here that's my passion that's kind of my heart here so it's weird (laughs) i'm different i'm different i guess I don't think you're different. I think it's a pretty amazing story so far. So, and your, uh, in your hashtag. Customers, customers are getting screwed too. No, customers are absolutely getting screwed. Do you know why customers are getting screwed? Are you in the California market, Bill? Bill said, do you know who Bill is? Is Bill in Cali? Not for sure. Takes twenty seconds. Yeah, about twenty seconds. Oh, is it twenty seconds? YouTube. Okay, because I looked over the other earlier and I was like, I'm doing like YMCA over there as far as my hand movements. I was like, damn, what's going on? <laughs> um, look to the scene with my ceiling missing. Okay, that's dope. All right, maybe Orange he was. County? Orange, you're in Orange County. Okay, so here's why the customers are getting screwed in California. Um. And I, by the way, I almost moved to Orange County because if LA didn't open up, I went to Orange County every fucking weekend because I needed to eat food and feel like a normal human being. And they kept some of the restaurants open and I could go like have a normal So like, I was like, I'm just going to move down here if they don't open up. It's not that far from my, uh, from my city, from my Commerce City location. But okay. So in California, the regulatory structure is fucked up with the taxes. Um, there is a cultivation tax that is a certain amount per pound um, or per ounce is actually kind of how it's levied. Um, at that point, it goes on to the processor unless it is packaged and sold at retail in which it goes on to the distributor. The distributor is the person in California who is responsible for paying the taxes to the government Um, as far as what's passed through from the cultivator. So a lot of cultivators 
And I love you guys. I love you, my Cali cultivators, so much. We need you to pay your taxes. So the way this should work is it's a pass-through. So we collect the cultivator tax, which is the responsibility of the cultivator. Okay. So if your my purchase is a hundred thousand dollars and your cultivation tax is forty-five, I should be handing you what fifty-five thousand dollars, right? Because you're paying your taxes, which fucking sucks. But when I process it, I'm also getting charged an egregious amount of taxes that I then pass on that goes to the government, right? But there's a bottleneck when that's like, oh, no, 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 hundred thousand plus 45,000 taxes. So now I give them a hundred thousand dollars cash. And then I have no $45,000 in taxes for their pass through. So I'm going on and processing, right? And I'm like, what the fuck do I do? I have to roll this $45,000 in loss into my product cost, which is now going to be passed on, right? And tax on another level. And then tax on the distribution level before it goes into the store, where unfortunately those fuck you tax structures are passed on to the customer. Um, and that's, we really have to deal with one, educating and dealing with a little better tax structure. Like we all need to pay our own tax. The farm needs to pay taxes separately. I understand the distribution needs to pay a different tax structure and that's fine too. But some of these things need to be dealt with and can reasonably be dealt with on a case by case and a use by use basis, meaning a farmer, a distributor, an extractor, a retailer. Um, and that gives a little more accountability, but it also allows a little more transparency, right? So we can see where these breakdowns are going. Um, but also, thank you, farmers. I love you guys. And I know you're taxed to death, but if you're taxed to death and you're not paying the taxes, then who is, what's going on? You know, because a lot of them are and some of them aren't. And so we have to kind of get a better standard and a little more transparency and a lower tax structure, a more fair tax structure. Um, because, you know, by and large, all these municipalities want to maximize revenue and minimize black market activity. But they're very, very, very cutting, very much cutting their nose despite their face in all these instances because um, they're taxing us to the point that they're forcing us to go to their activities to cover the taxes sometimes. And when I say us, I mean like us as an industry because I don't separate myself from from anybody. You know, if we're we're all an industry. If you're operating in a completely compliant manner, you're in my industry. If you're not, you're in my industry. We're we're all this, like we've all come from not a compliant background, most of us, right? And those of us who've been here since it's compliant, that's cool, but it's still not legal. Let's be fair about that as well. Um, so I think we need to acknowledge that we have to find something that's a better way of business so that we can all sustain in a way that is safe and operable and focuses on the patient and allows a medicinal you know, structure to flourish, but also a, a healthy adult use market because everybody should be allowed cannabis and good cannabis whenever the hell they want it. Sorry. That's my soap pop. How's that? <laughs> Pretty awesome. 
pretty awesome if you look at the chats or like drop a knowledge, you know, and people need to hear that. People need to hear that stuff, you know what I mean? So they'll fight for it, you know what I mean? The proper legislation. People get, you know, people get screwed uh, in these in the markups, that's for sure. And it's sad that there has to be so many phases. It has to pass through so many hands before it meets the customer there. Uh, it's just a terrible markup. And a lot of, and they, moreover, I think a lot of great gardeners uh, get lost in, in the mix there. You know, we work so hard in our gardens, what little brand that we got, and then the processor just uh, right over top of our sticker. There you go. It's no longer your flower. It's my flower. <laughs> and it's hard to, you know. Assholes, like, give credit to your cultivators. Cultivators, give credit to the breeders. Like, give, like, everybody's like, how do we preserve the legacy? How do you preserve the legacy market? First of all, the legacy and the traditional market are very different. Traditional is still very active. Legacy is active, but it's not active as in you don't get in the legacy market now. Um, legacy market is something that the entrance time has passed. And the way you preserve that, you guys, is you give credit to the cultivators, to the breeders. You give credit where credit's due. You don't name slap shit. I'm so tired of seeing. Anyhow, I don't, let me shut up. But. That is, that's, that's how you do it. Tuesday, Jennifer Delman, I'm so gone. They wouldn't let me. Some of these comments are hilarious. I'm you have like a whole ass fan base. They hang with you how long? How long do these usually go? I mean, I'm chilling. Till 420. Till 420. They hang out like every night, basically. A lot of them. And 420. A lot of great folks. Yeah. It goes every night from 1130 to 420. I've been doing this. I started doing this in March. March 25th was the first day I kind of was working on a different thing and then switched over to doing this. And I started doing it nightly and they were like, you're going to do this every day? And I fucking thought about it. I'm like, yeah, I want to do this fucking every day. And they're like, every day? And I'm like, every day. And I've done it. I've only taken off two days in the last year, but I've done it every day. And I've tried to get a guest great guest like yourself here every night i've had some amazing people but you know it's yeah <laughs> every night and you know what's part of what helps build this community is um uh i i get people on from every phases of the community so there's people in this chat that's been on the show that's been you know they've got their six plants that's all I have. Just home grower, got their six plants, and then I've, you know, the next night, you know, I've had Danny Danko on. <laughs> then the next night, maybe somebody that's, you know, it, it's back and forth, and then you know, I'm kind of jumping to the end here, but uh, so basically, what I do here is, um, there's this aspect of the show, the spotlight. And then if this falls short, 
you know, like say you, you've had enough and we check out. Then I start out another, what I call is, it was the rabbit hole, but now it's the wormhole. And the wormhole is basically anybody that's a past guest. The Zoom number is always the same. So the wormhole is like anybody that wants any past guest. You know, I started up and then anybody can come in. You know, uh, we've had, it's just a free for all. So basically we're all invested in the community. You know what I mean? So it builds nightly, you know, so, you know, we've had a, just, we've had, I've had pretty much, uh, not everybody on, I think it's, you know, ever building, you know what I mean? Everybody's important. So to say I've had everybody on would be stupid. But I've had some pretty amazing people on, uh, for sure. I've had, let's see here, Frieder Steed. I've had Amelia Jensen on. I've had uh, all of the YouTubers. All, a lot of the YouTubers are friends. I've had uh, a good portion of Breeders. You know, uh, I've had Mr. Soul on here. Miss Jill's been on here. I've had uh, Indra. I'm sure you know who Indra is. Uh, he was the founder of BHO, been on Hash Shoots. Amelia uh, Jensen's been on here. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the list is long. The list is pretty long. So it's been a pretty, pretty amazing thing. And uh, it builds every night. Hopefully, you know, you've got a taste of what happens here. You pop in occasionally as well. But yeah, it's, and it's an amazing community that's built since day one. Kind of, picked up the weed nerd community since sub past and uh, that was another thing, reason in doing this is you know sub was a good friend of mine when he passed man it was a huge void for a lot of us a lot of us that late night you know hang out just like this and when it was gone man it left a huge community with a void i mean a lot of us in chat here, a lot of us have been on the show, a lot of us growers are introverts. You know what I mean? We do this for one reason or another, but, you know, we hang to ourselves. And, you know, the community weed nerd thing kind of gave everybody that, uh, that chance to reach out, you know, be their gardener, but yet, you know, put down their guard, that everyday guard. You know what I mean? And kind of just hang out without no no judgment. <laughs> you know, behind that internet name. And it's, it's a, uh, when he passed, it was, it, I think everybody just felt something missing. And it was, uh, since it's been going, I think a lot of people that went there, it's kind of hung out here since then. It's been a pretty amazing year. No, that's super important. I think that, you know, Sub definitely had um, a charisma that, that drew people in and made people feel familial and made people feel like they were part of the family and part of the, you know, community. I think that, you know, that was part of why when you reached out to me, I was like, yeah, for sure, because I had seen what you had done, you'd done for that. And Jill has been incredibly supportive in my life and she's been, um, a really amazing friend and a really amazing mentor and just a really amazing just an, an amazing person for me and 
and I know that this has been so hard on her and so hard on the whole the whole community. And so I think that to see you to see you pay pay honor to that and to, to give her to give her that space and create that was was why I was like, yeah, no, that's definitely I'm I'm down to get on board with this. I appreciate that because we have to at the end of the day, what was important it is a community. And you know, like I wasn't I wasn't really a part of the the whole Weedner community. You know, I looked up to Jill. I wasn't, I wasn't in that. I, I wasn't that girl. I just wasn't. You know, um, from the genetic side, there was a lot of reciprocal trading, and then we found out back and forth. I guess it was me sending for for my my boyfriend at the time, and and her sending for subs. So Jill and I have been sending each other packages for for quite a while, but. Um, she's just been an incredible person and that she has a lot of love to give and it's done a lot for the industry as, as has the whole, you know, TGA legacy. And I think that it was, that's what was so important about the TGA legacy. It was that it was built on with so many people and there's so many great stories and so many great things that came out of it. And so um, I appreciate what you, what you did to show her love and, and all that. And I, I love it. So definitely here's what, that you know you mentioned the family thing that's you know i think we've built a very much so kind of a family here we've done some cool events man uh very cool stuff this last year we did a four uh 24 hour 20 uh 420 event it started out to be a, it was smiley gardens idea we were gonna do it for charity initially but it with the COVID kind of thing, it kind of, it was hard to set up. We did it in a week. From the time we did it, in, with the idea came up in a rabbit hole. And then uh, we put it, it was in motion ever since then. But we put it together in a week. We wanted to do it for charity. We wanted to people, you know, get people to give. But I couldn't, I couldn't line up with, with like you said, with, COVID the way it is, offices being closed, it was almost impossible to get somebody on the phone within the week that wanted to work, you know, work with me on a charity event. And then there was the other hand on it too. The ones I could get a hold of were like, I don't want no fucking cannabis money. <laughs> Take your weed money. I don't want, we don't know. So it, it was hard to set up. So in the end, we just kind of went with the message of, you know, do something nice for somebody. And, you know, everybody that came on throughout the day, because we did it in a, I did it in sets of three. So it was me. And then it would be, it would be say like me and you. And then halfway through our interview, somebody would come in and would kind of spice up the conversation again. And then like halfway through their time slot, you would check out and then somebody else would check in, kind of re revigorating conversation. And uh, that's the way it worked, man. And, and whenever somebody came on, I kind of asked them, do you have, you know, a, a charity or, you know, something that you would like to bring light to, you know, you want to suggest they go donate to or whatever. And that's the way the day works. And we had pretty much all the YouTubers on there. Well, we had Med Grower One, Lost Leaf, Tenacity's Gardens, Pedro's Grow Room. Uh, quite, you know, it was quite the day. 
it was quite the day throughout and uh, it was it was a good day and then we did uh thanksgiving 24-hour thanksgiving episode where uh past guests came on and we did our thing open panel type show and uh just made a place for everybody to kind of spend the holiday you know what i mean and you wouldn't believe the people that hung out all day almost 24 hours on thanksgiving and uh that was pretty cool i opened the show up because usually it's just a past guest alone so i opened it up for like eight hours to like if you watch the show the link was out there that you could come on and hang out with the show for a few hours and then we did it again on uh, Christmas, a 24-hour Christmas special. We did it again. And it was same thing. Good times, you know. It was, you know, we tried to make this show as community-based as possible. That's super dope. And, yeah, I think that's the best thing about Phoenix, right, is it creates this community. And it creates community that a lot of us wouldn't have otherwise. And I, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's 10:49 here in LA, and I do have to work tomorrow because it's Tuesday. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate this. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for including me, and I appreciate your your community. And uh, thanks, thanks everybody for listening to me and listening to what I have to say. And my opinion's worth what you paid for it, but you know, it is what I gotta say. So I said it. Um, but this has been awesome. I appreciate I appreciate the forum. I appreciate the the experience it was really cool to kind of get to know some more about you and hear more about kind of your cannabis life as well and some some similarities and i appreciate you this was this was dope thank you i appreciate you and uh like i like i did a hint to there's usually two things i do before uh the guest checks out and that is one to give them the invitation for a wormhole the Zoom, hole, the Zoom link is always the same. So it's an open invitation as far as the wormholes go. You ever up late or whatever and you want to pop on and drop some knowledge. We might be talking about extracts. We might be just, you know, smoking some nights. But a lot of times it's very canvas-based. Sometimes it's, it's kind of psychedelic. It gets out there a little bit some nights. But you're welcome. Always welcome anytime don't feel like you you know don't be a stranger don't feel like you have to get an invite so with that being said the only other thing i'd like to get from you before you go is a sound bite the old like radio school uh sound bite my my version would be something like hey this is eagle gardens and i'm on fucking talking shit with eagle episode 325 you can tack on whatever you want, but basically that's what I'm looking for. I will be hitting record. What right episode is it? 325. Okay, that's 325. Okay. I'm ready anytime you are. All right, what's up, you guys? It's Jenny Beth. I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 325. Um, hope you guys checked it out and uh, checked out me fucking talking shit with Eagle. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You're a very intelligent, intelligent, <laughs> incredible lady in this cannabis. Might- I got, I got the cotton mouth now. <laughs> and it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, I'm sure you're just 
dropped a tiny bit of knowledge on us that you're so much capable of so much more. And uh, hopefully we can get you back at some point for another at least spotlight, or you can just pop on on one of the wormholes. Either way, thank you so much for your time. It has been a great evening. All right, good night. Well, guys, that ep- that wraps it up for this episode of 325. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. If you're not following her on Instagram, please do so. That is, uh, let me see here. It's Jenny W, W, uh, Jenny B W S P. Sorry, Jenny. <laughs> Jenny Beth. Uh, one great gal right there. But that does it for this episode. I'm all done, died now. Uh, please join me in the wormhole. I'll be firing that up in about 10, 15 minutes, right around 2.20. I'll be checking in just before 2.20. Hopefully you guys will be uh, checking in for that. But if not, I appreciate your time. Thank you for checking out this amazing episode. Hopefully you'll join me tomorrow night where Max Brew and Ruby will be here. You know them from chat amongst other places. But uh, thank you so much for your time. You guys do know the deal. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. I am a living, breathing example of that. Thank you so much. I'll hopefully see you guys in the wormhole in just a few minutes. Get a drink, stretch those legs, fill that tray. I'll see you guys in a few. But for the meantime, I am out of here. Thank you very much.